0: how are you
1: good it's so weird to like see
0: you (laughs) yeah it's nice to meet you Mm -hmm. virtually
1: nice to virtually meet you
0: too i'm excited to have you on
1: yeah, I knew when I saw the video at the Heelys, I was like, I, I was like, I gotta get in touch with this kid. I was like, I had Heelys too.
0: Did you also get them as a result of getting molested?
1: Not as, as a result, but looking back, the timeline does kind of add up. So maybe <laughs> I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese a lot around that time of my life. So uh-huh. like maybe that was some sort of compensation. Like, hey. Right. You're molested. Here's some tokens. I don't know.
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, parents mm-hmm. always find a way to uh, to compensate. It's to cushion uh, the blow. Yeah. Exactly. So, Josie, what happened to you?
1: So basically, when I was in the second or third grade, not super sure on the specifics of when this started, but I would be alone every day after school. And my parents were like, no, no, you cannot be alone. And my brother and sister, my brother is five years older than me and my sister is four years older than me. So they would get out of school after me. I was in elementary school. So they were like, oh, here's an idea. How about we send you to like stay with your grandfather until your brother can pick you up and like you guys can like go on your merry way. Mm -hmm. And so for like an hour to two hours... Every single day after school, like this was like an everyday occurrence, like Monday through Friday, I was like clocking in, clocking out, nine to five job, basically. (laughs) I was over at my, he was staying at my aunt's house at the time, which was right across the street. Yes. Okay. So he was staying at my aunt's house, which is directly across the street from my parents' house to this Mm -hmm. day. And every single day he would rape me, perform oral sex on me. And the thing that's so weird is he never spoke. He predominantly spoke in Spanish. So, like, it was, like, completely silent. And, but he always Whoa. gave me candy. I know, very weird. I don't ever remember him talking. But I do remember that when he would pick me up from the bus stop, he would always either drive me to the gas station to get candy or he would give me candy at my aunt's house. And then do these things to me and just like not say a word. And this happened for years. I remember it only stopped because my brother went to high school and he started getting out of school before me. So he was able to pick me up instead of my grandfather.
0: Gotcha. Wow, that's wild. I mean, I I definitely empathize with it, especially because when the most when i was getting molested it was like there was never any sort of communication going on like it was very silent <laughs> Which as well i feel like it
1: makes it so much weird like more awkward when you explain it that way it's just like <laughs> yep just incomplete well it wasn't complete silence because i, I the, the thing i remember most vividly about this is that every single day i don't know if it was that time slot of a day he would turn on the tv I would get raped or molested to Ed Ed and Eddie almost every day. Like it was like clockwork. Like it was like it was like Cartoon Network execs were like, "All right, it's one p.m. Um, it's, the show's about to go on, and here we go. Here's Ed Ed and Eddie." Oh, so I, I remember, I remember that show? Yeah. Yeah, so basically Ed, Ed, and Eddie is like ingrained in my brain as being the show that would always be on.
0: <laughs> wow. It's funny how our brains latch on to things like anything else that's going on at the time yeah. to really not have to think about what's actually going on. And it, it's like, yeah, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah. Have you seen it
1: since then? <laughs> I actually have not. I remember, like, I see, I still see, like, a lot of, like, plank jokes, like, to this day. Uh-huh. But I just remember, Ed Ed and Eddie, I don't know what it is, but I just remember like the visual of Ed, Ed and Eddie, like yeah. I, I don't know why, like I just like I associate Ed Ed and Eddie with that experience, <laughs> same <laughs> with like the candy. the candy was always the same. it was always like a blow pop always, mm-hmm. or it was. Hershey's Kisses, but not plain Hershey's Kisses. It was caramel or almond Hershey's Kisses.
0: All right. So to this
1: day, I just associate those things with that experience. <laughs>
0: so no weird. more Hershey's Kisses or Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah, That'll those are
1: like banned for life. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how did that, you, you guys weren't speaking at all. And, <laughs> and there was obviously a language barrier as well. So you don't speak Spanish, I, I assume.
1: No, I, okay. I, I can like pick up like here and there, but I'm not, I was like yeah. fluently walking in like, hola, like,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> no my like, rape. Yeah. Happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so how did it, how did it start exactly? When, well, Obviously it went on for a long time. Do you remember like the mm-hmm. first time that it happened?
1: I don't remember the first time, but to me in like, okay, to put it into perspective, for all the white people out there listening. So this like the Spanish culture, (laughs) when you enter like a house, like you are expected to say hello to everybody there. Like literally, even if you like, you've never seen this person in your life, if they're in the vicinity of your family, you're like, hi. Uh hello like it takes like an hour to say hello and goodbye that's like right. that was like the inside joke when you were a kid it was like oh my parents just said we're leaving like it got another like hour and a half before this mm-hmm. actually hits the road so I always assumed because because number one I knew like because I don't blame my parents but I knew my parents would never leave me in the trust of someone that they didn't Trust, you know? Yeah. You, you automatically assume your parents want the best for you. And so I always just assumed, like, oh, this is just like normal. Like, this is just like paying my toll to be able to stay here, like yeah. after school. Like, I was like, oh, you gotta pay the troll. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I, I, I gotta, like, just let this happen. I think that that was like my process because I don't remember the first time it happened. But I remember it just happened every single day. And I mm-hmm. and the thing that is the most alarming to me about the whole thing, because it, it's a pretty like terrible story, but <laughs> the thing that's the most shocking to me is I did not know that this was a bad thing. I blame the education system, but I didn't know this mm-hmm. was a bad thing until I was in like the seventh grade. And I remember, shout out to my science teacher, Miss Woods. She was like, if anyone does this to you and like they're older than you or like you don't want it, then that's bad. And I remember in that moment in my science class, I like looked around to see if anybody else was having this like, internal realization like I was and everybody else was like, "Yeah, hmm yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. why is no one else? Why is no one else freaking out about this? Yeah. And then I think I told my mom or, and my dad like a week later. Wow.
0: Oh, this is so- Seventh so, grade. Uh, you're, I, you're absolutely right about the education system lacking in this regard because there's yeah. it, so many people. I know for me, like I had no idea what was going on when I was getting molested. Mm-hmm. I think that- it definitely initially when it started I didn't think there was anything wrong cuz the guy who did it was like presented it as a game yeah. and that was like enough for me to be like yeah fuck yeah let's play a game and then over time I felt like the secrecy of it made it uh made, made me feel worse about it. I was like well I don't think anybody else really knows that this is going on and I don't I don't like that but I still didn't have the words to like articulate what i didn't like about the experience and Mm -hmm. or or even that it was necessarily bad but Mm -hmm. you know talking to you and other people that i've spoken with it's like once you are told that this is something that's wrong it's it's it oftentimes it just flips a switch in your head and you're like oh shit like i I, this happened to me and i haven't told anybody about it yet Mm -hmm. and it can be that simple as just letting kids know that if you've experienced something like this, or if you do experience something like this, you need to speak up and tell somebody. And it's just one of those things where it's like, parents don't want to expose their kids to sexual things too early, but it's like you. I don't want to
1: scar my kid, but it's like you could (laughs) scar them if you don't tell them and they don't
0: know. Exactly. And I think it really just comes down to like people not being comfortable talking about these topics and Mm -hmm. teachers, you know, families obviously
1: they're not like exciting topics like nobody wants yeah. to be like oh okay today we're talking about molestation <laughs> right like, right
0: yay. <laughs> yeah but it's but it's just it's so obviously necessary and it can make mm-hmm. such a big difference just arming kids i mean hopefully they never even need to use it but it, it, it yeah. uh, imagine if every kid who got molested immediately spoke up about it like that in and of itself would make a huge difference it's interesting that seventh grade i wonder if that was part of miss wood's curriculum or if that was something <laughs> that she was just doing
1: uh, she was like she. was was like looking around the class, like someone's about to have a realization. Yeah, and then she yeah. looked at the back of the class, and I was there, like,
0: <laughs> just petrified. And she in the was back. like,
1: It's that girl, it is that girl. I just changed yeah. that girl's life.
0: Yeah, so Miss Wood brought that up, and then you yeah. told your mom and dad, like, a week later.
1: Well, technically, okay, I'm really bad at confrontation, so like. Mm-hmm. I and at that point I knew that this was wrong. I knew that this was bad. But the thing was that I also just didn't even know, like kind of like what you mentioned, I didn't even know how to put words to it because I didn't know I was like, was I raped? Was I molested? Was I sexually assaulted? Like I was like, I don't know. There are all these like words that were being flung around and I was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize even what happened to me and what to define it until i was like in my 20s like i was like oh i was raped and also molested but the bigger bigger picture here is i was raped by him for
0: yeah
1: years so i told my mom but i was too afraid as like a i don't know i was like 11 I was too afraid, so I made her guess. I made her play the guessing game with me. To figure <laughs> out what happened. To me. Yeah. I was like, I know. And it was at the pool. We were at the pool, and I, was uh-huh. like, and I was like, hey, mom, something bad happened to me. And she was like, what? And I was like, you have to guess, though. And she was like, okay. So she's like guessing. First, she's like, you like, I don't know, like you stole something. Like you, like what are the bad things that, I don't know, 11 years old get into. And then nope,
0: finally try again
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like guessing. I was like all of a sudden, Vanna White, like you revealed one letter. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and eventually she finally guessed. And she just like, and I made her keep it a secret for a few days because I just was I think I was scared that my dad would be mad at me for some reason, Mm -hmm. but I remember the night that my mom told my dad, like, so vividly, like, my, like, my room was kind of bordering theirs, and I remember my dad, my mom told my dad, and I just heard this, like, sobbing, this just, Mm -hmm. like, I've never heard my dad cry like this in my life. My Dad just came in to my room. he thought I was sleeping because I again still hate confrontation. I was like, "I'm not about to confront this right now, yeah, so I was like playing asleep, and yeah, he just playing came possum, in. yeah, exactly. He came in, kissed me on the forehead, and just like left. he just my dad is like a very angry, aggressive man, so he just left. but at this point, oh my God, sorry, forgot to mention, he was dead at the point
0: oh just, this is what i was gonna ask okay wow yeah so sorry. no 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 not I completely at all
1: completely left that out. so he died in between me telling my parents he had died and he had died i think like a year or two prior okay and i remember like at the funeral i i distinctly remember being like i don't want to see him because it was an open casket funeral i was like i don't want to see him But I didn't tell anyone why. I was just like, I don't want to see him. My mom was like, no, Josie, you have to. You have to pay respects. So I saw him, and I just instantly just started sobbing. Because, like, number one, who wants to see a dead body? Number two, I was like, this man, like, abused me. Like, he took advantage of me. Because Miss Woods had told me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Miss Woods,
1: the plug. Like, had freaking (laughs) informed me on my childhood trauma. So he had died in that period of time, and it it's the most like shocking thing to me though is that after that happened my parents instantly pretty much put me in therapy and like my therapist i had the most janky therapist ever they were terrible like i remember one of them would talk to me about cupcake wars i was like i think this girl thinks that like i'm her break or something throughout the day but <laughs> i didn't like tell anybody until i was like 23 Mm-hmm. And I and and no lie, my therapist that I see now had to be the person to explain consent to me. Like wow. because my parents never so I thought like my thought process was oh like this guy took me on a date like I owe him like a kiss like I if he tries to kiss me I just have to let it happen just this like guy the wants to yeah like I literally just assume like oh this guy wants to do it like I just have to be aligned with it mm-hmm. and it was my therapist being like no if you don't want to do it you don't have to do it and yeah. I literally was like Oh my God. At the age of 23, I learned this. And I was like, how did no one think to teach me about consent? And my parents to this day too, they just pretend like it never happened. They don't like talking about it. Interesting. They still live directly across the street from where this happened.
0: Wow. So Very was this, weird. Was this your mom or dad's dad?
1: This is my dad's dad
0: okay got it so it
1: hit him definitely a lot harder than it hit my
0: mom of course there were a couple of things that you said that really resonated with the first being you not being able to explicitly say to your mom like yes i was raped that was
1: yeah.
0: this is the exact situation that i was in where i was like i don't know how to tell you this but something <laughs> bad happened and it just it took her saying questioning like over and over mm-hmm. again until it got to the point where she was like did he touch you in a bad place and i was like mm-hmm and And without that, like, I mean, these are these are things that are so important for people to recognize that like your kid could be like, you know, without saying any words, you know, they could be really trying to get you to be the one to ask them. And maybe it is as simple as just checking in with your kid about these kind of things. Regularly, then mm-hmm. maybe not a daily thing, but like you know,
1: very, very
0: often. Um, because did I know. Did you
1: get raped today? I yeah. just want to make sure. <laughs> I just want to check. Yeah,
0: in. but it was that I, I know that feeling, and then once your mom did ask you, so she she mm-hmm. just eventually flat out was like, "Were you raped?"
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So how how did it feel when you told her initially?
1: I think I was just like. Wow But also I was I I felt relief But I also still was like Not Like I think my mom asked Like Has someone touched you? And I think I said yes And I think that that's why For a long time I was like Oh I was molested And Mm -hmm. then Later down the road I was like Oh wait I guess I was actually like Raped if this guy was Having sex with me At the age of like Seven or eight Like I technically Like that was technically Rape And it took a long time for me to figure that out. Like, I had no idea.
0: Totally. I mean, it's hard to know without being educated on these things. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a difficult thing to just infer, almost impossible. And I felt like also when you were saying that you, when you felt like you didn't want to see your grandpa again, understandably so. Yeah. Same same exact position that I was in. It was like after I told my, or after. um,
1: Oh, yeah. You said you had to see him at like soccer games.
0: Oh, well, there was that too. Yeah. I saw this guy like throughout (laughs) throughout my life growing up in high school yeah he was he was always at our high school soccer games which was bananas but um it it was actually like right after the last time that I went over to my friend's house and we got in a fight my mom picked me up and the guy was like desperately trying to get me to stay and like apologizing even though he wasn't involved in the fight between me and my friend it -hmm. was still he knew that like you know shit was going down like this is the first time that I've like left crying and he kept trying to see me, he kept like wanting to come over and apologize. And he kept trying to get in touch with me. And I think at one point he actually like came to our house and like came. And oh at this gosh. point, my mom didn't know she hadn't, we hadn't had that conversation yet. But all she knew is that I kept being like, yo, I do not want to see this guy. Like, I'm, I don't mm-hmm. want to go over there anymore. And that's when my mom started being like, okay, like, th- let's have a conversation about this. So clearly, something happened yeah. more than just the fight with your friend. But it's that feeling of just like, not like, I don't, he just don't have- want to have to see the person again i can't imagine having to like you know look down at his dead body and just be like ah fuck man i thought i was done with this shit now i have to like go through this again in front of my whole family yeah that's brutal but at least uh at least you know it's interesting to think about like what the experience would have been like in Miss woods class (laughs) if your grandpa had still been alive obviously this is just a hypothetical but do you think you would have still been able to speak up to your mom about it or ask her to ask you questions about it? Um, had he been alive?
1: I'm not sure. I honestly think no, just because the way that it is ingrained in your mind when you're like in a Hispanic family is like, is like if they're your elder, like if they, like they can do no wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Like they just, you see them, you give them a hug and a kiss, and you move on. Like that's yeah. just the way that it is, and it's it's like really weird. It, I don't know, because to me, I'm one of those people where I'm like very open, and my family, they on my dad's side are so close like only two members of my dad's side of the family have ever talked to me about this ever mm. and it's just like something that they all kind of I feel like sweep under the rug yeah and so I don't know if I would have felt like because even until I literally asked my dad this like a month ago I was like dad and my therapist was like just you don't have to ask like you don't need this validation. But I asked my dad, I was like, dad, do the people in your family, like, do they believe me? Like, because I had never, I actually had never even considered that until I listened to your podcast about how you were saying, like, that you had this legal battle and, like, all that stuff. I I was thinking, I don't know why I started thinking about it, but I was like, does my dad's side of the family believe me? Like, do they think that I, like, tarnished their dad's name? Like, do Mm. they think... Like, I felt all this guilt all of a sudden because I was like, do they hate me? Like, do they think that I just, like, ruined the image of their dad? Because, like, I can't even imagine if someone was like, oh, your dad did this really terrible thing and you couldn't believe it. So my dad instantly was like, no, like, we've all talked about it and, like, we all totally believe you. Like, none of us think that you're lying at all. Like, which to me was such a relief because – I guess I didn't think about it, but I was so scared that I had done wrong by them, which is Mm -hmm. like such a, like such a sad thing that I was like victim blaming myself. I was like, sometimes I have to remind myself because I try to see the best in people, but sometimes I have to literally be like, this is a bad person. If this Mm. happened to anyone else, you would literally be like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for that girl. Like I listen to your podcast and I hear these people's stories and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for them. And then I'm like, I'm like the same thing happened to you. Like you need to also show yourself <laughs> the same courtesy of being like, you're having a hard time. It's okay. You yeah. experience serious trauma. So
0: yeah, it's fascinating. The, the victim mentality and the additional burdens that we put on ourselves. It's like, you know, it would be so nice if we could just speak up and not feel any sort of guilt about it, but you can't help but think about the ramifications of what's going to happen or what, what did happen as a result of you speaking up. Like, I mean, I remember feeling guilty about like, because I didn't know exactly what was going to happen if I spoke up, but I felt like Mm -hmm. I, it would definitely cause some problems with their family. Um, and, Uh, the parents, the guy who molested me and his wife did end up getting divorced. And it's not that I felt responsible for that. um, But I just thought that if I hadn't spoken up, it probably wouldn't have happened. So Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where you're like, you're in that mindset of like, you know, you're trying to on top of processing all of this trauma. You're like handling all of this guilt that really you shouldn't. Nobody should feel that. It's just yeah. it's as, as just speak up. It's not your fault, right? But we do have tendencies to sort of take on all of this extra responsibility. And yeah, it is, it is fascinating, but it's so it's so common too. And I know exactly what you mean. Like, you know, I'll, I'll have people on here, and you just like think you, you. It's easy to forget about what you went through, and and to not sort of treat yourself the same way. And allow yourself the same empathy that you're giving to other people. And it's definitely important to recognize that, which yeah, you're doing. And <laughs> there's no right way to go about doing all of this stuff, you know? It's we're stumbling through it, but it is so helpful just talking about it. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, the issue of consent was an issue for you until you turned 23.
1: Yeah, which is a long time. like, that's yeah. alarming. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, these things totally affect us like throughout our lives and manifest in all sorts of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, like, obviously, you've, you've changed your perspective on consent now and, and feel yeah. differently about that. Is there anything, any other impacts that you think this has had on you? Not necessarily sexually, but like in terms of your who you are?
1: Number one, when it comes to consent, I feel like I now, my therapist said it to me in a way where she was like, Josie, not even if, like if I'm with a guy and a guy wants to do something and I'm like, uh, like on the fence, I don't know if I want to do it. To me, that instantly is like a no, because if I'm not confident about the choice, then like maybe there'll be a next time and maybe I'll change my mind. But if I'm on the fence about it, that means that I'm not saying yes to me now. It's yeah. like if you don't think explicitly yes, then in my mind, that means that I don't want to do something mm-hmm. because I've noticed that I'm such a people pleaser and it's so roots back to just like what happened to me that I just feel like I'm meant to please And it's – so I feel like to me, I've had to teach myself and kind of rewire my brain to be like, if you don't want to do something – You do not have to do it. Because before I was like, oh, he bought me dinner. Like, I I have to kiss him. Like, I I owe it to him. And I was like, and then I was like, no, 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 no. I don't owe this man. Jack squat. I will literally leave him at the restaurant. I don't even care now. If if he makes me feel uncomfortable, like, I can go. Mm. But in addition to that, I also feel like I went through this phase where I really – of myself, this is so sad to say now, but I really considered myself to be like a sexual object because I thought that that was all that I was good for. I thought this is what pre- people previously had wanted from me. So, like, that means like this is what I'm good for. So, I would literally walk down the street, and if someone cat called me, I would be like, wow, yay! Like, that means I'm doing something right. Like, <laughs> ooh, hey, yay! Yeah, yeah. like a squad of cheerleaders being like yay mamacita whatever (laughs) and then one day I was like no they're just bringing you back to that like eight-year-old girl that was getting sexualized and didn't deserve to be and Mm -hmm. that was a big aha moment for me where I was like I don't need this I shouldn't be having this so now I'm trying to realize how to like cope with those moments where I feel like I'm being sexualized against my consent, again, consent. Mm -hmm. So that is another ramification. And I also have noticed that this is kind of like a twofer, but I have a lot of trust issues when it comes to trusting people. And I also feel like I constantly pick men that are bad for me innately bad like a guy that posts like mirror selfie pictures like that is what i go like a guy that like literally just like like red flags are just everywhere and i think that the reason why is because i was hurt by someone by the last person that should have hurt me, that I was hurt by a person that I should have trusted, that my parents trusted, that everyone trusted, and he betrayed the trust. So to me, it feels so much better if someone that you think is going to let you down, lets you down, than somebody oh. that, yeah, I know, Then trusting somebody that seems good and they let wow. you down. The hurt is so much worse when you actually trust them. So I innately have realized that I pick just really terrible men because to me, I'm like, well, I know they're going to hurt me. If they hurt me, it's <laughs> it's just expected. But yeah. if I date a nice, a nice guy and I get hurt, there just reinforces what I already believe, which is that you can't trust nice people. So I always just pick not good people.
0: The psychology of molestation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense though. And it's, it's cool that you're aware of that. I, that seems like exactly right. And it's, you don't want to feel the feeling of being like let down again, which is obviously how your grandpa made you feel. And yeah, that is so interesting. I'm trying to think of now like I'm trying to do some of my own like <laughs> psychological deconstruction, but I don't think I I don't think I've come to quite as many profound like, So pe- why
1: did I date that girl in the 7th <laughs> grade? Like right. maybe it was
0: because Yeah, who knows. I, I think all, a lot of it comes down to like expectations too, cuz because of that experience that you had and the way that you feel now, it's like y- y- you are inherently expecting People to let you down, and so it's easier yeah, to let do down me. by yeah. someone or hurt you. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's easier to sort of have that happen when you're expecting it to happen. Have you, have you talked to your therapist about um, counteracting that at all?
1: We have talked about it. It whether or not it is working is, <laughs> is the question. <laughs> because right. it's, I feel like it's difficult for me because to me, I. I guess I'm in a, an interesting position because my personality type is one that loves to take care of people. And I, I don't know what it is, but I love, like, helping people. I love being like, oh, like, we can make him better. Like, I, I'm, like, the kind of yeah. person where, like, if I see, like, an injured bird, I'm like, it has potential. I feel bad. And yeah. so I feel like it's been difficult for me to be like, no, like, you're on your own journey to fix yourself. They have to be on their journey to fix themselves. And it kind of goes into, in addition to, like, the trauma with my grandfather, there's also trauma with when I was younger, around, like, a year or two after my grandfather passed away and I told everyone about what happened, there also was like a my, uh, kind of marital riff between my parents where they almost like didn't make it out but they uh-huh. are still together now then my first boyfriend was this like alcoholic guy that i was babysitting for basically two years that lied to me about his drinking lied to me about all this stuff so that was my first experience with love i loved this guy yeah and so i just feel like it's like upped itself like it's been like okay you're not like first this guy's gonna let you down then this guy's gonna let you down then you can't trust this guy yeah Yeah, it really it does but i heard from somewhere that your body will innately just recreate situations that are unresolved from your childhood Mm. to see if you're ready to confront them and obviously i keep picking these people because something is unresolved
0: Right. But awareness is the best is, is the first step to making any of any improvements with these things. So Very that's true. definitely the right track. I also wanted to ask you about like living next door for so long. Was it I mean, what was that like? Obviously, your grandpa passed away, but you still mm-hmm. lived next to his place for presumably the rest of high school. Yeah. Um, what was that like? I mean, did you still go over there at all ever?
1: Honestly, I would go over there because my aunt lived there for a while and I would go visit her, but she moved out shortly after he passed away. But the thing is that like my family, because no one talks about it, it's so normalized that I think even like now, like I'm home right now because I'm like here for the holidays and stuff. Mm -hmm. But even now I walk by and I'm completely like desensitized to it. I feel like I've, I've never had that, like, Oh my gosh, some really traumatic things happen in that house. Like some Mm -hmm. really terrible things happen. And I, I feel like it's never hit me. Because my family just like refuses to talk about it. They just like to pretend like it never happened. So to me, that's why I reached out to you was because I straight up thought that I had like made all of this up, like, I feel like this whole expe- <laughs> like this whole experience has taught me like if you have an inkling that like something happened to you explore the inkling don't like push it down because I straight up did not believe myself when I was yeah. thinking these things because no one in my family acknowledged it even though I told them and then I heard your story and I was like oh my gosh no, no I will validate <laughs> myself in this like yeah. this happened to me it was a really difficult scenario to be the only person in a family that wanted to talk about something because that to me made me feel like I was just like making it up. And this was all in my head and I was like a crazy person. Uh,
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I'm so glad that you've felt like that you could, that you you had that reaction to the podcast. I sort of thought I was alone.
1: I thought I was like, (laughs) I literally was like, I thought it was like a, just like a secret. I was like, okay, I'm never going to talk about this. Like no one talks about it because I think I initially messaged you being like, why is there like, cause I heard it on the podcast, you were like, where is the me too for kids? Like the, yeah, the yeah. me too, but for children. I'm yeah. like, yeah, cause like, there's no way I'm alone statistically. It's mm-hmm. impossible that that like that us too and everyone on your podcast so yeah. far for the most part, that we're the only ones like other people have experienced this. It's just that a lot of people it's like, dug. it's deep, deep down. They, they don't yeah. even know that it's happened or that it happened and they're embarrassed. Like there I, are so
0: many reasons why Yeah,
1: there's infinite up. reasons. Yeah.
0: And it's all, it's so complicated. Every situation is so complicated. Even the ones where people mm-hmm. speak up right away. I mean, there's, oftentimes people aren't believed. There are so many reasons um, that people don't come forward or come forward and then stop. Speaking about it. I mean, every situation is different, but um, that's why it is so important to have these conversations and to let people know that they're not alone and that there are people that know exactly what you've been through. And it's, (laughs) it's so funny. You you mentioned uh, just like not really registering like the trauma that had happened at the house because one of my best friends who uh, also testified in court, not the mm-hmm. the son of the guy who molested me, but a, a different friend of mine. Um, we were all hanging out together, the three of us all the time. And he actually moved in uh, right next door to the guy who molested me, him and his family. Before we went to trial, before any of the stuff came out, but they had mm-hmm. already moved in. So they weren't gonna like, you know, move away, further away or whatever. It was far enough away where it didn't matter, but close enough where like, we would be driving, like, basically, whenever I would go to this guy's house, we would drive by the house of the guy who molested me. And so I would just always kind of like whoever I was driving with in my head, because it felt like we were all thinking it. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if we actually were or not. But like, I didn't know, I felt the need to just like fill the silence. I didn't know, you guys remember when I got molested over there? Like, it didn't. Like I, I, I don't know. I felt like I, I felt the need to talk about something and make people like not worry about me so i would just like yeah which
1: isn't your responsibility i feel like yeah. we think that we have to like make and i feel like it's so sad because we say it like we need to make other people feel more comfortable but then it's also like parents need to stop being worried that they're like making their kids uncomfortable and they just need to educate them about this right. and it's like such a taboo topic yeah that's why and it's taboo no matter what it's taboo if it's like a, like your friend's dad if it's ta- it's taboo if it's your family Whoever. member, it's yes. like, it, it doesn't matter who it's such a taboo topic and no one wants to talk about it.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's particularly complicated with family members because it's you're so oh, much more yeah. likely to run into a situation where when it's your dad whose dad did it, <laughs> you know, like it's it's so much, there's so much yeah. more likely to not want to discuss it and want to make sure that that you're okay. And it sounds like that's sort of the situation. Obviously, when you initially spoke up, they believed you and and still mm-hmm. still believe you, but it's harder to bring up because it's like you know I, you're wanting to talk and heal. And at the same time, it's like, in order to do that, we have to talk about the fact that it was his dad yeah. who was doing it to you. So complicated. And it's not that any scenario is easier or harder or anything. It's just every situation is so uh, intricate and, and complex. And
1: Yeah, and there have definitely been times where I've been flipping through a family album and I've like opened mm-hmm. it and not expecting to see it. And I see <laughs> a picture of him. And I'm, I have a cousin and she's so supportive. She's straight up been like, yeah, I went through like my parents Wedding album, and I straight up crossed his face out. I like <laughs> scribbled all over him. I'm like, wow, they like because she's the one that I go to to like validate me to be like to be like that guy was nay hole. He's like rotting somewhere because I can never yeah. say those things. I'm, I I consider myself too like timid of a person Mm. but she's like i cut him out of all the pictures like and i'm pretty sure she told me like every member of my dad's side of the family like all of his siblings they've like removed every picture of him it's like he it is though he never existed and maybe that's why my dad doesn't want to talk about it is because in his mind the whole family just acts like he never existed it's very weird oh no one even talks be like they, it's like, he's Voldemort. No one even says his name, it's, it's, <laughs> but it's the weirdest thing. Cause I want to talk about it, but everyone else is like, who,
0: excuse mm. me. Who?" Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to perceive them. Not talking about it. Obviously, you know, you, you want to be talking about it, but it could be their own way of trying their best to make you feel better. It's just never wanting yeah. to bring it up. But um, it's great that you do have somebody like a therapist that is, you know, willing to talk about this stuff impartially, unrelated to the family. I think that's so crucial. Um, yeah. It's also just finding the right therapist. Obviously, there are a lot of, I also had a bad experience with a therapist. It's um, like
1: dating. You have to find yeah. the right fit. Did yeah. You like find, I have some therapist horror
0: stories. <laughs> yeah. About like about these experiences?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was the worst experience you had in therapy? <gasps>
1: Well, the lady that talked about Cupcake Wars, that was a big one. Then yeah. there was, there was the, I think it was the same lady. And she, like, she made me feel comfortable, like, uncomfortable talking about it. Like, she, the way that she described it was so weird. But basically, like, she took my arm and she had a tissue and she was like, it's okay if some touches are good touch. And if some touches are bad touch. What? And I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> What the fuck? I, was in, I was in middle school and I was like, which of those strokes of the tissue paper was supposed to be the good touch? Like what like are you trying to tell me that it's okay if I enjoyed this like traumatic experience? Yeah. That would probably be the worst. That was a weird experience. That
0: is so weird. Oh, I don't even understand. Like, where do they come up with these techniques? Like, do they just make that is that their is that her own thing, you think? Or is that like
1: <laughs> she's like hospital. her MO is like tissue therapy? <laughs> yeah. What a the bizarre... tissue therapist is at it again <laughs>
0: right yeah wow that is so strange what about your brother and sister what was your
1: oh like well so okay so basically i think the reason that my because recently very recently i talked to my parents about this and my parents well my dad specifically was like i don't understand why you want to talk about this you like held it in for like 18 years like why don't you just keep holding it in like why do you want to talk about this all of a sudden and i was like i've been thinking about this every day for like my whole life like i (laughs) want to get it out it's like a floodgate like it wants to come out but yeah basically i think that the reason why it's so normalized that we don't talk about it is because around the time that my grandfather died my aunt also died she had cancer And so she died, my grandfather died and immediately after my brother flunked out of college Mm -hmm. and my parents were like, well, we can't tell Steven because we don't want something to take him over the edge. Like we don't want like something to like make him fall back and, and do bad in school. So we kept it a secret from him for like two years. We wow. like everyone in the family knew except for him. I told my sister only because my sister at that time was being kind of like, I'm not going to say she's being mean to me, but she, was being, she she's a very harsh person. That's just the way that she is. And so my parents were like, well, maybe if you tell her, she'll be a little bit more understanding of, of the kind of person that you are. And so she knew, my parents knew, I knew, my dad's side of the family knew. The only person I didn't know was my brother. And then I finally told him and my brother was like, to be honest, I kind of like thought something had happened to you because of the way that mom and dad treat you, mm-hmm. but he was like, really like, I would say my brother in my immediate family is the most understanding. Like my brother is always there to listen to me. It's almost just like, I don't know how far to go when I'm talking about it to him because he just like, I don't want to like, traumatized him because like yeah, i remember my it's sister victim my,
0: mindset again it, yes, it's the same it, thing yeah
1: it's bad. Like my sister, I remember my sister, when I first told her, like, I really want to talk about this to you guys. Like I've been really internally struggling with this. My sister was like, what do you want, Josie? Do you want us to all sit around like at the table and listen to your trauma? And we're traumatized too. So that's uh, kind of our way my sister handles yeah. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everyone handles it differently. I would say my brother was yeah. is the most understanding and he has a wife now and she's very understanding
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it it just makes it so much harder to speak up because if that's the reaction that people are having to it, it's like, well, fuck, I don't want to (laughs) try. That's what I'm trying to do right now is stop having your heal from trauma, not make Mm -hmm. everybody else traumatized from me talking about it. But these are the things that we, that we think about. And, and it is interesting how victims just tend to pretty consistently feel responsible for the experiences that they've had. It's not everybody, but you, Just adopt all of these additional uh, pressures and responsibilities that you really don't need to have. Like, no victim should ever feel like they can't speak up because of how it'll make other people feel. Like, that in and of itself is contributing to people not speaking up uh, immensely. When in high school and stuff, like, I would never bring it up to anybody. I didn't want to bring it up to anybody because, one, it's like, that's our friend. You know, we were still friends around the same soccer team and I don't want to make his life any harder than it already has been, you know, going to trial and stuff with his dad. So (laughs) there are all these odd burdens that we just, uh, assume responsibility for. And it's so important that we can just like recognize that it's, it's not, um, it's not our it's not our burden to bear, you know? Like I
1: can't even imagine from your perspective of like this guy is still alive, I'm assuming that. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine like taking feeling responsible and knowing the other person that actually is like liable for everything that happened is out there. Okay. Like with me, I feel like I have to take all the responsibility because the other person's like in the ground. I'm like, "Oh, Like, I was like, (laughs) that sounds so bad.
0: (laughs) Not at all. Totally get that. It was super weird. And it was like juggling my own feelings on top of trying to manage everybody else's makes it. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously you did that as well. It makes it so much more complicated. It'd be a lot better if we could just speak up and not worry about how we'd be perceived or how anybody else would be uh, affected. But it's never that simple, it seems. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't speak up. You always should. And it's interesting, like you know, thinking about how nobody in your family really wants to talk about it now. And like, do you ever wonder if maybe something similar happened to anybody in your family, like with your grandpa?
1: I've heard through the grapevine um, (laughs) (laughs) that one of my cousins, something similar happened to her, but like, I haven't heard any details and she like has her own life. She's, She's older than me. She's much older than me. Mm-hmm. so like there have been like my dad told me i don't know if my dad just told me that to make me feel better that seems like the kind of thing that my dad would do
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> but um yeah so i really don't know but it does shock me that they were so immediate to believe me because i was like right. i'm seven or eight years old like that that is alarming like, if you're that quick to be like oh yeah my dad did this like
0: that is scary. It's interesting, you know, because there are reasons why people react in the ways that they do to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially when people like aggressively don't believe victims, I don't think that people just like inherently do that. I think that they have experiences that cause them to be that way. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean the immediate belief from your cousins and I think mean, it could have been for sure. But you think that your dad, were you saying that your, your dad told you that because you wouldn't be so alone?
1: I feel like he might have because I've never talked to this cousin about this specific situation, but I feel like maybe he, and also like this cousin, she's like a little bit like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if something happened. I have no idea, but I know that my dad told me that possibly something happened with him and her and she... She had been moved out by the time that I had started going there after school. The weird thing, though, is that his mother... So, my great-grandmother was staying at the house at the time. Your so, she was there. Mother? Yes. So, my grandpa's okay. mother was there every time that this would happen wow. in her room. Yeah. And the thing is that my dad and my aunt, they all, they've all asked me, like, do you think that she knew... And I was like, I have no idea. But I also don't know how you just happened to never come downstairs. Yo! At this exact time. Like, do you not even want to say hi to me? Like, (laughs) like, hey, how was your day at school?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my great niece or great granddaughter. Yeah! Yeah, what?
1: Yeah, so there's been, like, a whole conversation where, like, but I know that my dad has told me that she, my grandfather's mom my great-grandmother she never thought that my great that my grandfather could do any wrong he was like a star child in her eyes so maybe she did know because i remember when she died on her deathbed she like gave me this teddy bear and i don't know if that was her way of being like you were raped (laughs) sorry This teddy bear
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) 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 yeah wow i don't
1: know but she was there Every time, because she was like almost bedridden at that time, like she Uh like lounged around, like a very quiet Spanish woman. Part of me is like maybe she did know, but she just like swept it under the old rug. I have no idea
0: it could be i mean that was uh, people often ask me about the the guy who molested me his wife like because yeah. obviously they were in their own bed and people are like well how did he she not hear him leaving the bed all the time to go up into your room and i was like well i like- think she might have known <laughs> you know it's a, it's a conspiracy it's like
1: am i a detective like why is there yeah ability to figure this out for you and like yeah sorry is-?
0: i was preoccupied at the moment <laughs> like i'm yeah. not able to sorry, keep track of
1: Bed being molested by yeah. the man. like sorry, yeah. I, couldn't, I didn't think to figure out where his wife was at the
0: time exactly and those are some of some of the holes that people will poke it, it did poke in my story and uh oh, and you know I, who, it is ridiculous but people will uh you know especially when it's somebody that they are close with or have a reason to not want this to be the truth about them mm-hmm. they'll find a reason uh and i think that it's important for people to know that uh, Uh, just because you're not believed by certain people doesn't mean you're not telling the truth and you just got to keep speaking up and people will believe you. Eventually it sometimes will just take people that aren't necessarily directly related to you. Um, obviously not, not in your case, but, uh, you know, I've spoken with people who weren't believed by, by their family and generally it's because it was a family member doing it. So, it is really great. I mean, just even though they did want you to really talk about it, it is great that they did that. They did believe you initially. It's I can't believe how much overlap we have. It's like completely different experiences, but so many things you said have been like, "Wow, I know exactly what that's like." <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. But it's really nice to know that like people get what we're talking about and yeah, and, and we're not with alone. Us. Yeah. Like,
1: I I really do thank you because I straight up thought I was like. I'm the only one like I literally thought like it's especially like it was enforced in Miss Woods class when I looked around and I was like oh no one's yeah. having the self-actualization that I'm having right now but like, right. like when I listened to your podcast I was like oh my god like every single week I'm like oh my gosh I'm not alone and then the next <laughs> week I'm like oh my gosh I'm, there's even more of us yes. <laughs> like it's really nice like it's 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 such a nice feeling to know that like other people like i don't know it obviously doesn't make it better because like it sucks in any situation but to know that like other people know the trauma and other people have like lived through it like there have been so many times where i've been so low and i've been like oh why has this happened to me and i'll listen to an episode and i'll be like okay, that person got through it, like, I can get through it, like, they're years older than me, like, I can do this, like, I'm
0: so glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, it's really nice, (laughs) it's it's (laughs) nice to know that you're not alone, and it's nice to know that, like, you know, other people have gotten through it, so you can get through it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to hear. And thank you for saying it. And just know that you're providing the same exact benefits that you were just talking about to the people that are listening. So that's it's crazy. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and it's it's very fulfilling to to be able to do and just to know that, like, you know, people are really benefiting from this stuff. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that. And I wanted to ask you, for somebody who's in the position that you're in now, you're clearly like so open about your experience and are willing to like deep reconstruct your personality and who you are and figure out, you know, the impact that it's had on you would be willing to accept the impact that it's had on you and and in order to heal and to figure out, you know, who do you want to be things that you may want to change about yourself, all of these things that are so crucial for healing. Um, I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to somebody who has been through something like this, or maybe will go through something like this? How do you get to the point that you're
1: at? That's crazy to think that you're like, you seem so stable. And so like, cause I'm like with my therapist, she's like, dang girl, we got some ways to go. <laughs> um, I would say the only advice that I have is that in some cases, only you and the person that did it. Tr- cause really the only people that truly, truly know what happened are the parties that were there that were involved that did it. You just have to be so confident that what happened happened because there have been so many times where I've been like, but did it really happen? Like, and I've cared about what other people thought, but I've yeah. decided like, number one, what kind of monster thinks that you would make, like what benefit, how am I benefiting from, from, I from making this story no. up? Like, 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 how is, how is
0: story of our this benefiting right me? There. Like, am
1: I, am I writing a tell all book that I haven't gotten any of the money for? Like,
0: <laughs> so I
1: would just say that you are right. If you think that this happened to you and you even have the slightest inkling, it may be scary to explore it, but you really, like, I, I realized the other day, my cousin asked me like, oh, what happened? And I told her that I remembered for the first time that he had like kissed me when I was like seven or eight on the mouth, like, French kissed me mm-hmm. and it like traumatized me because I had never remembered that before that moment. And this was like a month ago. And so I would say just like keep your mind open to these new thoughts because like when I first realized that and I, I first it like triggered this memory. I was, like, so taken aback by that memory, but I was, like, now I know. Like, I know. Like, I'm cemented in my knowledge that this happened to me. Yeah. And now I've learned so much. Now I know about consent. That's, like, my big thing. I I know some – I was talking to my friend, and she – she said, oh, so if I'm having sex and, and in the middle I decide I don't want to anymore, I, ha- I just have to, like, keep going along with it, right? And I was like, no, you Not don't. At if at any point you don't want to, you don't have to. And I, I didn't know that. I thought that I literally was just supposed to be like, okay, this is happening to me. So yeah. you are validated. You can at any point say no. Even if someone doesn't teach you consent, Learn about consent because it's important and you have a right to what happens to your body, no matter what age you are and be willing to go to therapy. It doesn't make you weak. And I know in a lot of Spanish cultures, they just say like, ah, why are you depressed? You have food, water, and a, and a roof over your head. Like that's the mentality in the Spanish home. So just know that therapy is really beneficial and they are able to tap into a lot of things that you probably need healing.
0: I love that. Yeah. Just because people doubt you doesn't mean you should doubt yourself. Exactly.
1: Very well put. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> because <laughs> people will there will always be people that find a way to not believe you like i remember mm-hmm. i did this youtube video about michael jackson and how i think he's a child molester and there were people in the comments being like,
1: because yeah, he uh, is well mm-hmm. of course
0: yeah to any mm-hmm. rational person it's easy to see but to people that are yeah. you know people that have a reason to not want him to have been this monster like they, like there are people in the comments on that video that are like you didn't even get molested like you're just using that as a basis to make this video and i was like yeah fuck you 15 caught me. Years I'm ago. using it
1: for clouds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You got
0: me. <laughs> and there will just i mean you just have to recognize that that's part of part of this process and that you know really these people are doing you a favor because people that don't believe you for these things are not people that you want in your life anyway Mm -hmm. so it's uh you should in a way be thankful (laughs) and then you can just gravitate more towards the people that do believe you and are rational and those are the people that you want to surround yourself with so i think that that is really great advice
1: oh they was. thing but i don't know
0: yeah. if you feel this but so do you ever like get scared to have kids one day because, of, because this? of
1: this people ask me this all the time
0: personally i i don't and the reason i don't get scared about it is because i can't wait to educate my kids i mean it's not that i can't wait i have it's not I'm like <laughs> to talk to my kids about this stuff but i think that it's very i think that it's simple to provide your kids with the knowledge they need to defend themselves against these situations. You should
1: write a kid's book about this to make (laughs) it less uncomfortable for parents.
0: Yes. I think you're right. That would actually probably be Like instead
1: of the birds and the bees call it like the flies (laughs) on the trees.
0: I love that. That's a great idea. And we can co-write it. Um, (laughs) But uh, I will have no problem saying to every parent that my kids sleeps over at their house, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, First of all, if you do this, I have, I, I, my kid is equipped. They have been trained to tell me immediately the second you make them uncomfortable. So anything that you do, I will know about immediately. So I think I, I, I I don't, I'm not really worried about it in that regard, but I completely understand why people would be. What about you?
1: I sometimes get scared because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust like leaving my, especially if it's like a daughter, leaving her alone with like a man in the family. Like I would literally need to like thoroughly vet them, like get a yeah. background check be like, what kind of demons are in your closet? Right. <laughs>
0: but,
1: like <laughs> It's scary to think about, but I, I, this is going to sound weird, but, like, your rationale makes me feel so much better. Like, you're so right. I feel like it, it all boils down to education. Like, my parents never even had, like, a birds and the bees conversation with me. Like, mm-hmm. so I went in being like, ah, I don't know what this is. Like, but you're not talking to me. You're completely silent because he never talked to me while this was happening. So, yeah.
0: It's wild. And and I I think you're right. I think it really does come down to education. You can present this information without traumatizing your kid, right? There are yeah. ways you can do it. And I think it's that <laughs> I think it's that simple. I think kids can have perfectly normal lives knowing that it's possible that somebody might try to touch them or do more or less. I mean whatever it is. Yeah,
1: and it's- you said something I don't remember if it was in like a podcast you did last week or two weeks ago, but you were saying how Parents are always so scared that it's like the stranger like the homeless man or something yeah. but it's always the person that is like closest to your family where like exactly. they could get away with it like it's always the case like 100% I, and it's so frustrating because you never educate your kids on like being afraid of some because it's so hard to uh, to I feel like it would be difficult to teach a kid yes you can love this person but also not don't fear them but know that they're capable of, know that anyone is capable of doing something and that if they do take advantage of you in a situation, that they can also be instantly a bad person and you should let me know. Like, it's difficult to... Because I feel like at that age, at a young age too, you don't really know the difference between right and wrong.
0: You don't. And adults are just, that's who you learn right from wrong from. So if if an adult is telling you that this is okay, I mean, you don't really have a reason to believe otherwise unless somebody has told you, like... You Mm -hmm. know, whether it's Miss Wood or fucking, you know, whoever. (laughs) Kids need to be told. And uh, until that Mm -hmm. starts happening, uh, you know, things will persist. But... we're we're doing a great job of uh having an impact and you know spreading the word about these things so it's yeah uh it's really cool to have done this with you and that was just like so easy it was like such a thank
1: you i'm i'm glad that you think so i literally was like i felt so bad i literally was like i forgot a human died i forgot a whole human died
0: Well, it's a pretty reasonable thing to forget. I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. And, it, you know, you, you talk, you're talking about how you're a people pleaser. And I completely empathize with that. I'm the same way. But um, at the end of the day, it's like you got to take people for what they say to you. And I'm telling you right now, that was a great job. So don't sweat Thank it anymore. You so, yes.
1: so much. You're so I, welcome. Like, you really do like this this podcast has helped me so I don't remember who it was 2 weeks ago but they also had a similar experience with Gentry. their grandfather. Yeah. Yes, I reached out to him. I messaged him on Instagram and I was nice. like Thank you so much for telling your story. Like, nobody talks about this, especially when it's, like, in the family. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, because it it just makes you feel so much less alone. Like, when I saw your, I'm telling you, when I saw your TikTok, I was like, dang, the algorithm's just this, it's hitting too close to home (laughs) these days. (laughs) I was like, I don't know how this found me.
0: Yes, yes. I know it's crazy. I'm so glad you reached out to Gentry. He's really a great guy. I'm sure you guys are yeah, getting along well. He was
1: really sweet.
0: That's awesome, and I appreciate you sharing it and for coming on here and and telling your story, Josie. It was so nice talking to you, and it's awesome to to see the progress that you've made and the healing that you've done. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on here.
1: No, thank you so so much. Like this has helped me so much listening to your podcast so i hope that somebody else listens to this and they're like oh my gosh i'm going through the same thing because i've heard that a million i felt that a million times listening to your podcast
0: it's the most encouraging thing to hear and i have no doubt that people will feel exactly the same way hearing your story appreciate it i look forward to speaking with you again soon
1: yeah